We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. The Oracle Network. Distractions Podcast, a weekly podcast where we rotate between true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal stories, folklore, a little bit of this and a little bit of that to provide you what we consider and what your high school principal probably considers a weird distraction from everyday life. I'm one of your hosts, Alex, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Christy. And this week we are back chatting my bread and butter paranormal. But before we dive into this week's paranormal story, we've got some housekeeping and we've got some big questions to ask one another. So let's get into the housekeeping first. What do you say? Do it. All right. So just a reminder that Patreon billing will begin on February 1st. For those who aren't on Patreon, please check out our two tiers. Uh, the first being Easily Distracted, which is $2 a month USD. And our highest tier, which is Here for the Weird, which is $5 a month USD. We have bonus episodes, we have mini series going on. We've got blog posts. It's a fun time. So if you want to check it out, might as well wander over there. Lots of goodies. Lots of goodies. And once again, billing will begin again, February 1st, 2022. Yes. Yes. So Christy, big old question for you. What is it? What do you need a distraction from this week? Uh, my distraction this week is people calling in sick. Ah. And bad drivers. Ooh. Double whammy. Because I hate people that don't know how to drive. Not like, okay, you can hate to drive in winter. That is fair. That's fair. When the weather was fine and the roads are fine, though, you don't need to go 50. No, in an 80. In an 80. Yeah. You might add um, kilometers in Canada. Yes. <laughs> and um, to reiterate, someone almost hit me. So I hate bad drivers. That's fair. That is totally fair. Dri- other people on the road scare me more than the road itself. Yeah. Alex, what is your need for distraction? My need for distraction is the fact that my dreams as an elder millennial that used to love screamo music have been utterly crushed. Oh, yes. Yes. So (laughs) you just automatically know what I'm talking about (laughs) without me even introducing it. So I'm sure other elder millennials or those that enjoy the music You're not fucking elder, but okay. (laughs) I'm basically... A senior citizen at this point. Anyways. How old are you? 82 on a good day. 28. (laughs) 28. Anyways, I'm sure people have already heard about the When We Were Young Festival, which is in, or apparently taking place in Las Vegas, Nevada in October of 2022. Mm -hmm. And we were almost considering going. I bust out my laptop. We looked at flights. Yes. We we were we were pretty much almost about to buy tickets, but then the lineup was making me stoked. Oh my gosh, we've got Paramore, we've got Census Fail, we've got uh, My Chemical Romance, we've yes. got uh, it's all the goodies. all of the literally. If I could find an old iPod, every band was probably on that iPod. It would be on my little like iPod Mini thing. Yeah, the shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. I actually saw someone a video the other day where someone used a shuffle as a hair clip because I didn't know what it was. You can't hear it, but I'm internally screaming. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's this hair clip? And I was like, I was a fucking music player. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Gen Zers. <Yes>. Anyways, <laughs> so the reason why I need a distraction from it is the more that information comes out about this festival, the more it mm-hmm. sounds like another fire festival. A fire festival 2.0. 
if you will. And I'm not going to get into the details of what Fire Festival was. If you don't know, go look it up. Yeah, if you don't know, go look it up. It's F-Y-R-E. It was basically a sham. And I'm thinking the When We Were Young Festival is kind of on the cusp of being that, which I'm is sad. I'm also wondering how something like that gets organized or like brought up to what this may be and then mm-hmm. gets this big at this point. And you're like, how can this sham be so popular and like made to be this big thing? It's like, how does this even start? I don't even know if people, like, I haven't seen people saying that they bought tickets. Mm. Mind you, also, like, I don't know anyone that lives in Las Vegas, so yeah. I don't I don't know if that's a thing. But I've seen a lot of TikTok videos of people speculating that it's going to be something of, like, a fire festival or an Astral World 2.0. Because you basically have a one-day festival where you have, what is it, like, over 30 bands playing? Yeah, it's like someone every 30 minutes. It's not feasible. No. Every 30 minutes. And that doesn't include setup, sound check, actually mm-hmm. playing music. Take, yeah, it, it's 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 insane. So that's my I need a distraction from. Because I would love a festival like that with all those bands. But it's not, it's probably not going to happen anytime soon. No, we were hyped. And then our super hyped. Crushed. Basically. But you know what I'm hyped about? This story. This, this week's episode. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. So this week we're chatting about another former sanatorium in Duluth, Minnesota, which I'm positive will provide some spooks to everyone who listens. Ooh. If you're not creeped out, email us and let me know why you're not creeped out. Because I was creeped out in doing my research of this place that's not even the same country that I reside in. That means it's a good place. That means it's a spooky place. So the Nobeming Sanatorium hasn't had any patients admitted in years, and yet it seems as though some previous ones have refused to be fully discharged. As always, before we dive into the haunts, we'll discuss the history. Before that, though, I'm just going to sneak right past to there and say a quick little trigger warning. Mm-hmm. As we will be discussing a disease epidemic. Yes, I consider that triggering because hello. <laughs> COVID. COVID. Uh, we'll also be discussing suicide, murder, and other disturbing themes that some may find challenging to intake. So listener discretion is advised. If today's not a good day to listen... That's totally fine. Keep us in your queue. Tune in. Back, please. Yeah, tune in when you're feeling better. That's totally understandable because you have to take care of yourself. So let's get into the history. Do it. So located at 2650 Nopeming Road in Duluth, Minnesota, stands the former tuberculosis hospital known as Nopeming Sanatorium. I know we have briefly discussed tuberculosis on the show before, but I figured I'd go over it once again in case folks have forgot, or if you're one of those people that listens to like the most recent episode a podcast has released, as opposed to the first episode, Mm -hmm. those people freak me out. I, I don't I don't understand. I mean, I, good for you. I, I wish I had the same willpower and freedom that you do. I can't. I have to listen from the beginning. What do they have good time? <laughs> they just want to listen to the good stuff. Yeah, which is probably fair because I feel like our first episode was pretty traumatizing for people. So <laughs> And a little rough because it was your first one. Exactly. So, yeah. Thanks for joining regardless. So in referencing the Mayo Clinic, tuberculosis, a.k.a. TB, or its other name, consumption, is a potentially serious infectious disease that mainly affects the lungs, making it a respiratory disease, which can be spread from droplets released into the air through coughing and sneezing. Basically, no, it's not COVID, but (laughs) no. no. TB had hit the United States big time in the 19th century, and in order to try and curve the amount of cases piling on every day, the country created locations, aka sanatoriums, where patients with TB could seek treatment. Hence, where Nopeming, along with other sanatoriums, across the country probably came from. Nopeming itself was built in 1912, and by May 22nd of that year, its first 50 patients arrived by horse-drawn carriages, probably eagerly awaiting treatment. Now, some may be wondering, 
Why is this place called Nopeming? Are you wondering that, Christy? I am. Wow. Well, I'm glad that you are wondering that because according to the website, (laughs) zenithcity.com by Dan Turner, there was a naming contest that had been kind of put out into the community for the new sanatorium because why not make a contest out of something that has nothing to do with contests? (laughs) I, I don't, I feel like this happened a lot in the States. I don't know if it ever happened in Canada. But like, yeah, let's. Anything comes out, we're like, let's make a contest. Let's make a contest. We're creating a new hospital that's gonna have a traumatic hist- like stain on our history. You know what we should do? Have a contest. Have a contest. <laughs> let's let a five-year-old name this hospital. Let's not. Let's not. Uh, but apparently, a Reverend Frank Piquet reportedly suggested the name Nopeming, which translate from the local Ojibwe Chippewa tribe as meaning out in the woods or in the forest. When TB first started and up until a cure was found, people believed that fresh air and sunlight would kind of help. So Nopeming was a spot on name and the location was great given it was very nature-esque, so to speak. Yeah, the sun will heal you. Yes, I mean, not. it was it was the early 19th century, Chris. We have to kind of give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Okay. They didn't have the Mayo Clinic yet. Okay. Or maybe they did. I have no idea. Anyways, the hospital spanned over 80 acres and would first consist of two buildings. The main building, referred to as the Heart House, and then a second unnamed building. Unnamed because I wasn't able to find the name of the building. Building unknown. Building unknown. What's interesting about Nopeming's building's designs is that they resemble what's called a bat wing, which can also be seen in another famously known paranormal location, Waverly Hills Sanatorium in Kentucky. Fun fact, I've had a dream about Waverly Hills, but I've never been to Waverly Hills. I've never even been to Kentucky, but I had a dream that I was on the rooftop of Waverly one night. Interesting. Yes. And then I stopped watching Ghost Adventures before bed. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. For the best. Probably for the best. Uh, Although patients were being brought in by 1912, it was quickly discovered that not only did the sanatorium not have enough rooms for each patient, which I feel like is the common theme. Yeah, it's like, let's open something and we don't have enough beds for any of them. Shove them all in their, like, sardines. Basically, let's build the plane as we're flying it, which is still commonly seen in healthcare today. Yeah. There wasn't enough rooms for each patient. And on top of that, there were wait lists of other patients wanting to come in for treatment. In referencing the zenithcity.com website, by the spring of 1913, many patients were forced to sleep in tents until more expansions and furnishings could be completed. Tents. Tents outside in Minnesota. Minnesota is basically what I like to call second Canada because it gets really cold down there. Tents. Tents outside. Jesus. Yeah. So even though there's basically an overhousing crisis happening, they did put forward for more buildings to be built. However, these things take time. Two years later in 1915, the requested additional building called the Trudeau Building was built. I'm going to speculate wildly that the building was named after Edward Trudeau, who reportedly opened the first U.S. sanatorium in Saren Lake in New York, and not Pierre or Justin Trudeau from Canada. I was going to say that, so. Yeah, it it wasn't our Trudeau with someone else's Trudeau. That's good. Anyways, by 1917, another building called the Wilcutts Annex was formulated to try and relieve some of the pressures and demands of probable overflow and need for expansion. Nope, Enemy Sanatorium also met a hot blaze in 1918 due to what has been dubbed the Great Fire by locals, as a destructive forest fire reportedly hit the state in October of that year. According to the zenithcity.com website, the fire had killed 500 people and approximately affected 50,000 thousand in total yikes yeah so it was i don't know why people call it the great 
when it's really not the great, it's really fucking depressing. Like yeah, the great depression. Great at all. Yeah. I think like we've had this conversation recently about the great depression. What's great about depression? Absolutely fucking nothing. Yeah, I'm sure there's been much bigger fires, so But still, why are you calling it great? You're yes. describing it as something great. Not great. And it's not great. No. Just call it the big ass fire. I don't know. Fuck. <laughs> Think of something different. Jesus. Anyways, jumping to 1922, Nopeming had a report total of 200 patients calling the sanatorium their home, along with the staff who lived on the property as well. Room shortage continued to be an issue in which some patients had to be transferred to Duluth's bigger hospitals. Once patients were transferred, officials took to the head honchos of Duluth and requested more resources and supports for Nopeming, which was answered in 1926. So essentially- a long time. It's it basically, this hospital started off really small and like gradually kept building and building mm-hmm. but they were intaking more and more without being expanding. able ex- without expanding as quick as they're taking in mm-hmm. which is a problem huge ass problem a little bit of over capacity exactly so the addition of the chateau building was a new wave of hope for nopeming as it not only provided more space for the patients but also allegedly came with a more modern hospital design the chateau building would see more expansions between 1927 and 1948 and continued to house patients apparently into the 1980s in 1930 nopeming consisted of 31 buildings which included a water filtration plant, a sewage treatment plant, houses and cottages for staff, among other commodities. At some point in the sanatorium's heyday, there were balconies, I guess, on one of the fourth floors of one of the buildings. Okay. Which had to have 10 foot high bars installed. This was because it was basically to inhibit people from jumping off of the balconies to their deaths. Why build them at all then? I, why, have, why have balconies at all is my first question. I mean, I get it. You want to allow people to enjoy the outside from a height, I guess. But why do it to begin with is my question. Now then go outside on the ground. Yeah. These balconies have allegedly been referred to as the suicide balconies. I wonder why. Yeah, not a not a really great uh, look nickname for anyone's balconies. Anybody. For anything, really. Okay. Unfortunately, similar to other sanatoriums discussed so far, many folks died by suicide at Nopeming, being a very common theme for these kind of locations. I shall also comment that the sanatorium also had its own crematorium for patients that would pass away and that weren't claimed by family or friends for alternative burial methods. At some point, underground tunnels were created so that staff could transfer the deceased to the crematorium in the winter months without concern of trying to move someone and potential harsh winter elements. To shift to something a bit more positive, similar to many hospitals in this era, Nope Emming became a self-sufficient community. Nope Emming is also known for its research into TB, in which I'm going to directly quote zenithcity.com website, which I keep feeling I'm pronouncing it differently each time, but... I haven't noticed. Okay, cool. Regardless, it's by Dan Turner and... I'm going to use a direct quote to expand on this further. So, quote, Early maps show an area south of the Trudeau building containing pens for guinea pigs. Some of the animals were infected with TB in controlled conditions, and a test was thereby devised to detect TB by analysis of excrement. In some cases, this detected the disease earlier than x-rays could, end quote. Not really for the whole testing on animals portion of it, but... It goes to show that they're trying to do their own research with poop with poop and guinea pigs, which once again, questionable. I don't really like the whole testing on animals thing, but I I know it's a thing that we see kind of everywhere. So and a big thing in the past. 
Yes, yes. So Nope Emming was trying to get to the bottom of TB. However, during the 1930s and 1940s, the hospital was challenged with the redeployment and funding cuts due in large to World War II. Going to the zenithcity.com website again, 37 patients and staff from Nope Emming were redeployed to help in the war. Once the war had ended, folks from Nope Emming had returned, and by the 1950s, the hospital began using chemotherapy to treat TB. This new form of treatment was reportedly more effective than the previous treatments that the hospital had kind of tried to use in the past. And basically numbers of intakes were slowly tapering off a bit. That's good. Yes. New intakes at Nopeming seemed to consist of late cases of TB who were deemed untreatable, making the sanatorium become more of a hospice than a hospital. That's sad. Very sad. By 1971, the former TB sanatorium was newly designated as a nursing home, which it was then called the Nopeming Nursing Home or the Nopeming Care Center. In referencing my research... After this identity change, the former bustling campus that housed its own small town-like community only had two buildings standing, the Chateau Building and the 1930s Dining Hall. Things were becoming bleak for Nopeming as it became known that the buildings that were existing were costing a lot to maintain. It would cost a lot to bring them up to code, basically. Mm, it's not worth fixing. In 2002, the St. Louis County decided that it was time to close the facility after 90 years, and on November 25th of that year, the remaining 151 patients were transferred to two more newer and modern facilities nearby. Since 2009, the Nopeming has been owned by Orison Inc. According to the Nopeming Sanatorium website, Orison Inc. has been trying to make small improvements to the property and to make the grounds safe. They now offer day and night tours so that folks can learn more whilst walking around and actually seeing the grounds, which I appreciate because I find when it comes to certain historical, well, I shouldn't say certain, historical places in general, I'd rather be there physically to learn more about it as opposed to just reading it online. Oh yeah, like if you can see it as you're like, I explained to it, you're like, oh, this is cool. It yeah. makes sense. Not, okay, that's the history end of that. Yeah, exactly. Related to. Exactly. Or reading it out of a textbook. I mean, for the podcast, I love learning about places like this, mm-hmm. but I'd rather be there. Yes. So if you want to go over and support us on Patreon, you can make my dreams come. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm really kidding. Please don't do it for that reason. But anyways, in doing my research, I usually start off with a good old Google search and I stumble upon some reviews of Nopeming Sanatorium that I wanted to share before we dive into the reported haunts. So these are Google reviews. I can only imagine. Little trinkets of gold, I should say. So we're going to start off with uh, a not great review. This was from five years ago. And from user, this is Bravo 6. And they rated Nopeming Sanatorium two out of five stars. And here is their... Harsh rating? Yes. I was hiking in the forest nearby, ended up tripping and cutting my leg open pretty bad on some barbed wire. Google Maps told me this was the closest hospital nearby. I managed to get there for some aid. Upon arrival, I saw someone up in the balconies. Then they immediately walked inside while I'm shouting for help. Stood at the check-in desk for a while bleeding out. No one ever came, even though I heard doctors walking around upstairs. As I was walking around searching for aid, some guy that lives there named Garvey offered me scotch for to my pain. I think they meant to say scotch for my pain, but they put scotch to my pain. Mm-hmm. Ended up getting airlifted to St. Luke's. The doctors at St. Luke's said I was lucky to be alive. I would have passed out if I wasn't if it wasn't for the scotch. Nopeming seriously needs some staff that care to aid people. Really needs a makeover too. I felt like I was dead when I was there. End of review. <laughs> when you read that, I was like, I couldn't really tell where, what, what time frame this was in. Yeah. So I was like, does he see a ghost? 
potentially. And then I was like, is there actually people there? And then I'm like, oh, well, he got given scotch. And is he actually dying? Then he gets airlifted out. And I was like, Bub's actually a serious cut, apparently. Well, first and foremost, this review is from five years ago. It's 2022. So there probably wasn't anybody there. So I think Homeboy was tripping balls, (laughs) to be frank. I'm so confused. I'm so confused. I don't... I think... I think he was on... Well, I shouldn't say that. I think he was tripping. I think if he got airlifted out somewhere, if that's really true, I don't know. Yeah, probably probably wasn't his right state of mind. Yeah, and I should maybe retract a little bit. We don't know if they're male or female. So Mm. we'll we'll say they are tripping balls. Mm. Whoever this is Bravo 6 is, sounds like you're tripping balls one way or another. That cut maybe fucked you up a little bit more than you you thought it did. Apparently. Now let's go to a more pleasant review. So this Mm. review is left by Eric... Playstead, and this was three years ago. Okay. They left a five out of five star review, and oh. the review reads: "Great tour tonight. Heard the legendary Goat Man in the lower level. The spirit made a subtle goat cackle and left a sulfuric smell. Amazing." <laughs> you know, hey, first of all, Goat Man, so the devil. It's the devil, and a uh, sulfuric smell. Is your son in part? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure somebody on the tour just didn't pass gas? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it could also be the devil. Stinky. The devil is stinky. That's one thing we know for certain. So yeah, that's those are the reviews of No Pemming. That's interesting. Yes. So I kind of forgot to mention, uh, there's a little bit of a true crime aspect to this place. Is there? Mm-hmm. Mm. So you're getting a double feature without even knowing it. Double whammy. Yeah. So before we get into the actual reported haunts, we're going to talk about a murder. Not only did no bemming suffer in terms of overalling numbers and a widespread infection, but it also saw horrible acts of homicide. In May of 1940, no bemming had put on a Mother's Day ceremony of sorts just at the hospital. At the ceremony, which was maybe taking place on the third floor of one of the main buildings, I don't know what specific building, all I know it was on the third floor, please don't at me. But regardless, a 35-year-old patient by the name of John Wentoniak reportedly shot an orderly 45-year-old Alex Suffrock five times with a .32 caliber revolver. Um, why does the patient have a gun? First and foremost, let's 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 stop the press right here. Why does the patient have a gun is a very good question. Yeah. I don't have an answer to it. Concerned. Very concerned. The story goes that John supposedly checked to see if Alex was dead and then turned the pistol on himself. According to the research that I did, police had found several notes in John's pocket after the situation had broken out. These notes allegedly had indicated his intentions of the murder-suicide, meaning this incident was premeditated and that is all we have so what did he ever do to you i have no idea and And okay he checked him to see if he was dead didn't he shoot him five times well you'd think that after they'd they'd be dead but mind you who was it 50 cent got shot how many times and homeboy's still kicking and directing things now and i think like that's you doing five different shooting scenarios whereas it's like pew 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 pew, five times dead no 50 cent got shot consecutively multiple times in one sitting oh did he yeah oh You've never researched 50 Cent in your spare time? Why would I do that? I, I have zero interest. <laughs> okay, well, you know what? I don't know. I don't. All I know is that, yes, he reportedly shot Alex five times and wanted to see if he was still alive. Okay. Yeah, and then he unfortunately not. died by suicide after. So we have no idea what really was... What the going reason... On. Yeah, we have no idea what was going on. We have no idea what the reason behind it was. That's unfortunate. Yes. So now let's get into the haunts. Okay. For this location, I decided to not watch one, but two paranormal investigation shows for my research, being that of Ghost Adventures and Destination Fear. Good for you. Yes. <laughs> 
It's a good thing I like paranormal investigation shows. Yeah. So, first of all, we will discuss what took place when the Ghost Adventures crew, or the GA gang, went. Psycho Beggins. A.K.A. Zach Beggins and the boys. When they went to Nopeming, they claimed that no other paranormal investigation team had been to the location prior to making them the first. Wow, I never heard that line before. I know. (laughs) I think they were actually the first, but still, it was just... They say every time, no one's been here before, us. Well, and of course, Zach Bagans is saying it in Zach Bagans' tones. No one ever has been here before, <laughs> but Ghost Adventures gets to be the first team to do it. <laughs> in that exact voice. Tell me now. Okay. Yes. So according to the episode I watched, courtesy of Discovery Plus, here's the following documented paranormal phenomena at Nopeming. First of all, uh, Discovery Plus, no need for shout out, but feel free to pay my bill. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> feel free to sponsor us. We can be reached at Weird Distractions. <laughs> podcastoutlook.com. Thanks. Uh, Anyways, the reported haunts. So shadow figures being caught in the flash coming off a camera. So for example, like orbs, kind of, but not really. Okay. Yeah. So there are orbs that are seen, but essentially someone will take a picture of one location looking, let's say at a door, right? Or like a hallway, I should say. But then at the corner of their eye, when the flash goes off, they see something somewhere else, like another, like a shadow figure in a different area when they're taking the picture. Does that make sense? Or their light's just reacting to the flash. That too. I'm not going to argue with that. I don't know. I I like to make sense of things. Yes. So this actually somewhat happens in the GA episode when crew member Billy is trying to get his flashlight to work again and captures a shadow figure on camera in the process. Other claims report the sensation of someone or something invisible walking around you. So just feeling as if somebody like movement is happening around you. Potentially a a short breeze. I don't know. Goat man's tooting. I don't, I don't fucking know. Just a lot of things happening, apparently. Uh, a guy who reportedly broke into Nopeming had told the GA gang that when he and a friend were walking around the area, they witnessed what appeared to be somebody hanging out in one of the barred balconies. During the investigation, the GA crew uses an SLS camera, and while using the SLS camera, which is where, like, the stick person is kind of manifested, while using the SLS camera, Zach captures a skeletal figure in the doorway. So I don't know what that means. Potentially somebody's there, I guess. Who's to say? The wind. Well, it's a skeletal figure. I don't think the wind can make a skeletal figure. Okay, um, I don't know. Yeah, ex- <laughs> see? Try and, try and reason. If I think on it, I maybe will. Try and reason your way out of that one. Uh, so furthermore, GA crew members Zach and Billy claim to feel uneasy. Zach later reported in the episode that he feels a mass wave of sadness coming over him and pictures a woman reaching out to him. Uh, you can't hear it, but my eyes are rolling back to my head because I, I don't. I don't know. I feel a woman reaching out to me and I become depressed. I mean, I feel that on a regular basis, but I don't... <laughs> no one's reaching out and I am depressed. No one's reaching out. I just feel sad. A wave of sadness. Yes. Constantly. Okay, Zach. Yes. Uh, the crew reportedly captures and witnesses orbs throughout their investigation. Mm-hmm. During a spirit box session, the word help is heard, which at the this moment in the episode, Billy reported that he felt fingers tapping on his elbow, which I don't like. I know, isn't that? Just a little tip, tip, tip. I mean, the elbow is a very sensitive part of your body. Why? Mm -hmm. I'm 
currently caressing mine because I feel Stop. it's making me uncomfortable because <laughs> I feel very sensitive towards it right now I don't know I just ugh, I don't like that uh, further reports claim that people have heard doors slamming and unexplained noises such as laughter which you can actually hear on the Ghost Adventures episode. And finally, during an EVP session, a recording of someone saying hello and I told him are heard. Mm. What are your thoughts on that one? I'd have to hear to believe it. Okay, fair enough. Well, I'd recommend that you watch the episode. Not. <laughs> I've given you my Discovery Plus login information, so I don't really know what else to tell you. True, true, true. I've yet to use it, but thank you. You're welcome. So next, let's talk about Destination Fear which we have talked about on the show before. So when the Destination Fear crew goes, they encounter just as much spookiness as the Ghost Adventures crew did. I will mention that Alex, Dakota, and Tanner, all crew members of Destination Fear, had actually walked around Nopeming in the daytime sometime in 2016. However, they never went in. They just walked around it and they're like, oh, this is really spooky. And then they just didn't go in, which is fair. I mean... Fair enough. If it's spooky, why would I go in there? Yeah. So the crew, which for the series includes Dakota's sister, Chelsea, goes, they go to the sanatorium in the wintertime, which as a reminder, this is a Minnesota in the wintertime. It's hella cold. It's, it's hella cold. So nothing like hunting ghosts when you can't feel your own body, basically. If it was a ghost around me taking away my breath, the little like cold feeling, I wouldn't know any different. Yeah. If a ghost walks through me, I'm not going to feel any different. I can't feel my body or my nose. Exactly. Now to discuss what was documented in the episode I watched, which once again, thank you, Discovery Plus, if you would like to sponsor our show. Email us at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. Basically, here's what happens when Destination Fear goes. One former delivery man that was interviewed claimed that he felt a strong urge of being watched and felt uneasy driving up the driveway to the buildings. So he's being interviewed by the crew, and that's what he reports. He says, you know what? Says I drove up, I didn't feel good. Yeah, he's like, I, I don't feel good. Which, I mean, to be honest, anytime I drive up to a hospital, I don't feel good. It's either I'm going there because I have to get testing done or I'm going to the ER. So I don't, really, I don't feel good. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel good. So not trying to dismiss this person's feelings, but yeah. just to kind of bring a little bit of comedic value to it because it, it's it, it's a scary place. Yeah, apparently. So other reports claim that people have seen apparitions of nurses who would be reportedly be seen by living staff members in which the apparitions would allegedly disappear when turning a corner. So let's say if a security guard is walking around, they see what appears to be a nurse mm-hmm. and they might go up to them, like try and go up to them and approach them. They go. They, they, the, the apparition turns a corner and the, they're just gone. Mm-hmm. Spooky. Very spooky. People have reported hearing voices and even growling in the crematorium building. That's frightening. I don't like that. In the basement of presumably the main building lies a reported dark entity, which has been referred to as the maintenance person. This could be the goat man. I See, I never... The maintenance person? <laughs> Google reviews had led me astray because I kept trying to find information about a goat person or a goat man at Nopeming, and I couldn't find Diddly Squat. But apparently there is this maintenance person spirit. Okay. Which, I don't know if it's specifically a maintenance person or an entity that looks like a maintenance... Regardless, maintenance person. Apparently, this entity has been seen wearing brown coveralls and has been known to physically attack the living if their tools are messed with. So, I don't know if there's just random tools lying around. Or people like going through the toolbox when they shouldn't touch their... But why would you leave a random toolbox in there? Get that shit out. It might be worse something. And what do they do to them? Well, I think if anyone touches any tools that they do find in the hospital, specifically where this maintenance entity is, mm-hmm. they get attacked. What? How attacked? 
like physically attacked by some un- unseen being. I don't know if it's like, like smash the floor. Like yeah, like John push. John, yes, John Cena. Yes, like a John Cena beatdown. <laughs> okay. Let's put it that way. Um, that's why you should always put away your tools if you don't want anyone to touch your stuff. I'm just saying. Pick your shit up. Pick your shit up. No one touches that. Exactly. Clean up your workspace when you're done with it. Anyways, one individual interviewed for the show was in the basement just opening up some doors when they reportedly felt something pull the back of their neck, which the show portrays this as potentially being the maintenance person. Interesting. A local filmmaker reported that they saw a full, almost real-like hand stretch out from a former nurse's office, i.e. as if another human was in the room and stretched out their arm out of the doorway and like around the corner. And it was just like, hello. Yeah, basically, it's like, <laughs> hey, how are you? How are you now? You filming a film? You filming a film? You filming a show? Here I am. <laughs> yeah, so I still don't like it, even though I'm laughing about it. It's still creepy. You gotta make light of it, yes. You have to make light of it, or else it's just terrifying. During their investigation, Dakota and Chelsea use the ovulus device, which basically acts as a communicative device for spirits to talk through, in which they began asking questions, as you do to try and get a response. We. Dakota asked out loud why they, being whatever spirit is present, had potentially ended their life by jumping off the balcony, which I feel like is kind of a bold question to ask into the abyss. Like, hey, why did you... Kill yourself. Yeah, why did you do that? It's like, well, how do you know that the spirit you're talking to did that? Maybe they died by TB. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless, the obvious device replies, people saw beat. And beat, I mean like B-E-A-T, not B-E-T. Because, you know... I hate beats. I hate beats, too. But it's a different beat. So, what'd they say? I... People saw beat. Which okay. Dakota and Alex thought that maybe it meant that they saw people being beat. And that's why they killed themselves? I guess so. I mean, it, I can't imagine that this place... I, I don't know. I think this is a good place. No, exactly. And I'm sure there might have been mistreatment of patients. I mean, it wouldn't be the first place we've talked about like this that has ha- that has a history of that, right? Yes. So, potentially, maybe to get out of being beat themselves by whomever was doing the beating. Mm-hmm. So. Unfortunate. Yes. Tanner and Alex use the ovulus near the balcony in which they ask the spirit why they were there, in which they get a response killed, which is pretty intense, yes. in my opinion. The crew also experiences random noises, such as things being thrown and footsteps. Needless to say, both Ghost Adventures and Destination Fear experienced quite a bit when they were there. In my mind, I think this place is probably haunted, but I want to ask you, Christy, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's hard to say because you didn't watch the episodes and get the visual experience, but... No, I like to talk things out and be like, oh, that could have been that. It could have been the wind, as you keep saying. Not, you know, maintenance entity or goat man that... I don't, I don't know what it could be, to yeah. be honest. It could be, I don't know. And we don't know, but do you think a place with this much history and potential much death could be haunted? It could be. Okay, so potentially. 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 Let's try and summarize this. Okay. All right, so when people think of the current COVID-19 pandemic, I'm sure they feel as if we're spinning our wheels in terms of trying to figure out what to do. In some ways, we are. I'm not going to try to ignore that. Mm -hmm. I can imagine that this was what people felt back when humanity was being hit with tuberculosis, hence why places such as sanatoriums were created in order to try to stop spinning wheels. Although I want to believe that sanatoriums were built with the best intentions, it seems as if no one could keep the wheels from spinning when the disease 
disease and the numbers of those infected progressed. Nobeming Sanatorium became a place to house the unknowns and probable anxieties, along with potential hope that someday things would get better. With that in mind, it's not surprising that given the history and its purpose that this building has become a sponge for every former patient and staff that entered through its doors. As a reminder... If you or anyone you know has ever done your own paranormal investigation at Nopeming and have some spooky stories to share, please email them to us to be featured on a future Listener Distractions episode. And that is Nopeming Sanatorium in Duluth, Minnesota. Spooky. Yes, very spooky. Now, before we wrap up the show, I've got to tell my resources and you've got to tell your speech. We So, resources. Big ol' thank you to the Noping Sanatorium website, the Mayo Clinic website for their page on tuberculosis by the Mayo Clinic staff. Big ol' thank you to the PBS website for TB in America, 1895 to 1954. Oh my gosh, could you imagine if COVID lasted that long? Don't talk to me about that. I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh. It's only year two, three, two, three. I don't know. It's been light years. I can't even. Three, two, I can't. Two. I can't. I, don't know. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I'm so sorry if I just give someone mass anxiety. I'm yeah, so sorry. thank you. Oh my gosh. I, I, I'm so sorry. Anyways, thank you to the zenithcity.com website, which I'm so sorry if I kept saying that like seven different types of what, however I said it throughout the episode, but it's Z E N. I-T-H city. Zenith. Zenith. Yes. I think I said it right. I don't know. Anyways, I thank you. I thought when you, when you say Zenith, I think you were saying like Z-E-N, but whatever. Z-E-N-I-F. I, I. <laughs> Keep moving on. Okay. Thank you for your page, specifically by Dan Turner, called Lost Duluth, Landmarks, Industries, Buildings, Homes, and much more. Uh, thank you to Google Reviews on Opening Sanatorium. They all shout out to the Ghost Adventures, for their season 10, episode 7 coverage on Nopeming Sanatorium, courtesy of the Travel Channel. Thank you to Destination Fear for their season 2, episode 1 of Nopeming Sanatorium. Thank you to Cool 101.7 website, Nopeming, offering overnight ghost inve- investigations. Is It Haunted? by Chris Allen on August 8th, 2017. And last but absolutely not least, Thank you to the Ghost Adventures Wiki website for their page on Nopeming Sanatorium. Nice. Yes. Now, Christy, can you tell these beautiful, lovely, exquisite listeners how they can support the show, where they can send their weird tales of the paranormal, maybe true crime, maybe conspiracy theories, and just the usual beautiful things that you say at the end of every episode? Yes, my peeps. So where to find us? We are on a couple of networks, Cultivate Network and the Oracle Network. Yeah. Yes. But the streaming of the show, you may find on Apple Podcasts and yep. Spotify. Feel free to go on, give reviews. We love that. We also would love some ratings, some stars. Five stars is preferred, but uh, show your love, whichever way you prefer. Mm-hmm. She just gets the word out about our show and makes us more kind of out there if the more you put our stuff out there. Yes. Let's say. Yes. And also Google Podcasts, Good Pods, all those other things. If you just search for us, you will find us. Yes. Other than the streaming platforms, you can find us on our media outlets. So we are on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, courteous of Alex and all her fabulous videos that she makes. I, I have some spare time. That's why. Because <laughs> I don't. Yeah, Christy um, doesn't. I search do. Weird Distractions podcast, as always. And if you're looking for more Weird Distraction, you want to kind of like monetize and help us out with little sprinkles here and there, uh, we have Patreon. Yes. So Patreon is, uh, again, two tiers, which are Easily Distracted, which is $2 USD, and Here for the Weird, which is a $5 USD. 
So either of those give you some extra content, some bonus stuff, some blogging, some stickers, some shout outs, all that good love. Also shouting out our current patrons we do have, mm -hmm. which is Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Leisha, Lynn, Cheryl, Shadow, and Sissy. We love you. The, as always, Alex, shout out. Did you love you? Yes. And you know what? That's the only time I get to sing on air. So <laughs> appreciate it. Love that, it. That uh, on key sound. Yes. 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 I mean, I have been compared to the likes of Whitney Houston, but I don't like to uh, gloat. So we should probably move on. Yes. Yes. And other than Patreon, again, if you want another option to kind of help monetize us and show support, we also have Buy Me a Coffee. Yes. And we have Redbubble. We have lots of merch on there. If yeah. you go on, we have basically any logo you want. You can literally put it on anything mm -hmm. just search it up literally sweaters t-shirts stickers notepads mugs mugs it's coffee well it's always coffee season in my world but not in my world it's hot cocoa season it's cold outside yeah get yourself a new weird distractions mug so it's you frosty can... bitch yes yeah. <laughs> it's a little frosty out there where we live so why don't you get yourself something to warm up to and lastly we always want to hear from you guys please if you guys have any content you want to share if you have stories if you have friends that have stories if you want to share their story share an anonymous story yeah share an encounter literally anything just say, email us in like we will use it at some point for something don't yeah. you worry we want to do another listener distractions episode but we're just at this point where we want to make sure it's chunky enough that when we do it it's worth your time as chrissy said it could be something that maybe happened to you or maybe happened to a friend or a co-worker maybe you thought you saw a ufo or maybe you went to nopeming and you saw somebody on the balcony where the bars are or who knows maybe you bumped into a cryptid by accident things happen life's crazy but shit's we want gray. yeah shit's cray email us about it yes do weird distractions podcast at hello.com and discovery plus if you are listening <laughs> sponsor us please <laughs> please for the love of God. thank you so much for listening thank you so much for supporting the show as always we appreciate everybody the lessons everybody that subscribes everyone that's left a review just know that we love and appreciate you so very much and holy crap we are slowly inching to 100 episodes that mm. is insane and almost two years of podcasting yeah so stay tuned so stay tuned we've got some tricks up our sleeve as so, always. as always. And if you need a distraction, we got you. Bye. Bye. Do you love true crime but are looking for something different? It sounds like a sitcom. It does. The Benders. The kind of assholes you should probably leave them alone. Do you like learning about cases so off the wall they can't possibly be true? Her wig is enormous, but it is lifted off her head by a monkey. Do you love history, but want to hear about what they didn't teach you in school? It's just got a almost where you hang your horns sign. <laughs> Do you like laughing awkwardly about cases that are bizarre and a little strange? They'd be able to wield so many knives with all of their little arms. <laughs> Then we have the podcast for you. Join me, Lindsay. And me, Madison, for Ye Old Crime. Where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. Listen every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime. <laughs>